All right. Well, good morning, everybody. So as you have heard, my name is Stephen Walters, and I'm very honored to be able to um, be with you guys this morning. Uh, but before we get going, would you mind uh, just saying a word of prayer with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for this beautiful day that we get to come and to celebrate, whether we are uh, in person in this your house or we are at our homes. God, you are still there. And we just thank you for that spirit that unites us, and we thank you for that spirit that calls us. Uh, to just worship you. And I pray that, Father, this morning, with everything that maybe we have going on or things that have to be done today, that, God, for a moment, we all of us could just hear from you. God, I pray that you would take my words, that they would not be mine, but they would be only what you have for us. And with open hearts and, and open ears, we would receive a word from you that calls us to how we can be your children. So, God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the goodness of who you are. And we pray this in your name. Amen. All right, so like I said, my name's Stephen Walters, and, uh, and I really am happy to be here with you guys. As you heard a little bit about my bio, I started working in the church in 2000. I actually started preaching at my home church uh, two years before that, before I, I had a church job. Uh, as a 15-year-old, I felt called into ministry and so pursued that. And, uh, and then, yes, in 2016, I felt God stirring in my heart and in my life, and I, I, I went from full-time church ministry, I went back into school uh, to become a counselor. Uh, at that time, I also took a part-time appointment where I was preaching every week at a church that had a, a traditional service and a modern service, and I was kind of the lead pastor of that modern service while I was in school and, and started counseling, and I, I ended my appointment there in December of 2020, so, you know, just a few months ago. So it's been almost four months since I preached, and that's the longest I have gone without preaching since I was 17 years old. And so I hope that this is okay, um, that I'm not too rusty on that. But when Jonathan asked me if I could come, I was very, very excited to be able to come and, and to spend time with you guys. Harvest Point is a church I've known about uh, for a very long time. Back in 2005, I had lunch with uh, Stephen Ustry and, uh, and uh, the, the DS at the time, Clay Jacobs. Uh, I was being considered to start a church. And so we came and met with St uh, Stephen so he could kind of walk me through like what he went through and just give me advice as well as we went to the, he showed me the facility that Harvest Point was at at that time. So I've known about you guys, and then Jonathan's been a good friend of mine uh, since he graduated seminary um, and came back to North Georgia. We were in an accountability group together uh, through his first appointment there at Hamilton Mill, and then when he came here, I was very excited because I know how great he is. He's just a great man, has a lot of integrity, knew about the health and vitality of this church, and so I thought that'd be a great match. And so to be here with you guys is very, uh, very exciting for me. Um, my understanding is uh, Jonathan preaches for like an hour and a half, um, so... So we're all comfortable and good, right? No, but uh, when I was trying to, I'm joking, please don't get up and leave. And those of you that are at home, please don't switch uh, channels. Um, no, but when I was trying to think about what it is uh, that I could bring to you guys today, Jonathan kind of filled me in on what y'all have been studying, going through the Gospel of John during Lent, and then the message last week kind of wrapping that series up with this encounter that, that Jesus had with the, with the disciples there on the seashore, kind of mirroring how he called them, and this reinstatement of Peter. Uh, you know, asking Peter three times, do you love me? Feed my sheep. You know, kind of going to the three times Peter had denied him prior to the, the death and resurrection. And I was thinking through that and, and what would be the next thing to do. And the phrase that kept coming into my mind was this phrase, now what? Uh, have you ever asked yourself, now what? Meaning like something's happened and now what do I do? Or I've completed one task, so now what do I focus on? This is a question that I ask myself very often, and it's a question that my younger son, I've got two, two sons, one who's about nine and a half and one who will be eight in a couple of weeks, and my younger son loves to ask the question, and then? 
You know, that's how he phrases that. Two weeks ago was spring break, and uh, my wife is a CPA, so we can't really get away this time of year for any sort of vacation. Uh, but I told the boys I would do some, like, kind of day stuff with them. And, and one day we were going to go to Athens. Uh, for those of you in here, and I'm really sorry, uh, that Athens is not, you know, paradise. I'm also very sorry that you wouldn't consider it paradise. But uh, we love, our family loves to go to Athens. My wife and I both graduated from University of Georgia, and, uh, and we love to go down there for, like, day trips, and we'll go to the botanical gardens. We like to show them around campus. We go to the bookstore and pick out new shirts. We go eat at the varsity. Um, we like to go get ice cream at this ice cream place there over on the east side. And so we, uh, we were going to plan this trip. And as I was trying to explain to Seth what we were going to do, he kept asking the question, and then? Like there always needed to be something next, right? So, and then we'll go to the bookstore, and then we'll go to the varsity, and then we'll go to the gardens, and then we'll go get ice cream. You know, like he always wanted to know what was next. And I know that for myself, like, one of my big areas in counseling is I work with individuals that have anxiety disorders. And uh, part of that is because I have an anxiety disorder. And so I know that like the idea of what is next, now what, is a big thing. The more I know about what's next, the more comfortable I can feel having that clarity. And I was trying to think how that now what and what do we do next, what must that have been like for the disciples? And then taking it another step, that now what? What is it like for us as we seek to be a follower of this man named Jesus? And I have this core belief that pushes me in ministry. It's, it, it pushed me as a teenager. It pushed me in leading churches. It's pushed me in counseling. I have this core belief that as we are all made in the image of this amazing and powerful and wonderful God, you know, and we all have these like unique expressions of what that image looks like, thinking through that, I have this core belief that we are all created to make a unique difference in this world that only we like individually can make. So that there's a difference that I was made to make, there's a difference that you're made to make, and no one else can make those differences. So as we start to follow this man named Jesus, and we try to live into that, what does that difference look like? We have to ask and answer that question of now what? You know, okay, so I've decided to follow Jesus, now what? I found a church home, now what? I read my Bible, now what? Like, what is the next step that we do? And for the disciples that day, right? Or for the disciples after the death and resurrection of Jesus, the encounter that they had on the seashore, the reinstatement, that that redemption that Peter went through. He's with them a few more days, and then he ascends into heaven, and he, he tells them, you know, as we read in the different gospel accounts, to go and make disciples. He tells them to be the witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Like, now what? Ten days after he goes back into heaven, we get the Pentecost event, the birth of the church, right? We get this this example of, of what happens when the Holy Spirit intersects with our willingness to, to proclaim the gospel. Thousands come to know, you know Jesus as Savior, and the church begins, and it explodes. Well, now what? And so the story that I wanted to read today and just spend a couple of minutes looking at kind of answers that question of what is the now what? Like, what are some things we need to be ready for if we want to do that now what in terms of following Jesus as Jonathan pointed out last week, that this calling to feed his sheep, to be the people that God made us to be, to make our difference, what does that now what look like? And there's a couple of characteristics that, that I think if we can possess these, we are in position to follow that now what as followers of Jesus. So we're going to look at uh, an example of, of what Peter did and hopefully glean from that some wisdom as we look at the book of Acts. So if you have a Bible, you're welcome to pull that out. If you have it on your smartphone or your tablet, open that up. If not, we'll have the words, you know, up on the screen, and you can follow along that way. But we're going to look at Acts chapter 3, 
beginning in verse 1. And again, this is, this is on the tail end of all the stuff that I said, right? So what y'all read in John last week, um, Jesus ascends to heaven. We have Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, the beginning of the church, and that's where we pick up in Acts chapter 3. It says, one day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth, so he couldn't walk, was lame from birth, was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them, uh, he asked them for money. So, like, understand that he's lame, you know, he can't walk, so he can't work. So the only way that he could live was to be put at the temple gates and to beg for money, right? He, he was totally dependent on people providing for him. And the fact that he was being brought to the temple courts also kind of signifies he had no family to take care of him. Like he couldn't stay home and have a family member that would feed him or provide for him. So this is his only means of survival. And then in verse 4 it says, Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them in the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So we get this story. We get this story that shows Peter kind of, you know, he's had this reinstatement with Jesus. He witnessed Jesus go back into heaven. He got the command that, that he's supposed to, like, baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to make disciples, to be the witness in Jerusalem, right? Be my witness in Jerusalem. Be my witness to the people that are like you, and to Judea. Be my witness to the people that are kind of like you, to Samaria. Be my witness to people that you don't normally associate with or that you feel uncomfortable with. Be my witness to the ends of the earth. Be my witness to everyone, right? Like, there's no limits to who you're, you're called to, to serve and to tell about me and to share about me. And he gets up and he preaches this message where people come to faith. And then on this random day, he gets this opportunity to continue to live into that now what. And it required that he did a few things. It required that he followed these three characteristics. I just want to take a moment uh, for us to look at. The first kind of characteristic, the first thing that I think, if we want to live into that now what, of whatever that looks like for us, living into our difference as a, as a follower of Jesus, making it more on earth as it is in heaven, trying to bring the kingdom of God here on earth, trying to bring about the vision that God has for his people, that now what, first and foremost, it requires that we have flexibility. It requires that we have flexibility. You know, flexibility is one of those things that when you have it, it makes a big difference. When you don't have it, it makes things a big struggle. <laughs> okay, so let me give you like maybe a funny example of that. Uh, I am not fast. I've never been fast, never in my life. But I want to be a runner because people that run look healthy and they look happy. Although when you're running, you don't always look happy, but afterwards you do. And so I've tried to run uh, as an adult. I've done a marathon. I've done half marathons. Like, I've tried to run. Unfortunately, two years ago, I had a really bad back injury, and so I can't really do the distance running, but I can do, like, shorter running. And so I like to run. I like how I feel after that and everything. And I used to, when I, when I would try to run when I was, like, 20, I would discount the notion of stretching. I don't need to stretch. I'm good. As a 40-year-old, stretching is very important. 
Because if I'm not flexible, I really, really hurt the next day. And so I need as much flexibility as I can to be able to, to run and not hate life afterwards, right? Flexibility is important. But then we think in our lives, right? How often do things go according to the way we expected them to go? Told you guys, I work with anxiety a lot with, with the clients I see. I myself struggle with anxiety. What is one of the biggest problems in anxiety? A lack of being flexible. If things go the way that they're supposed to go, I'm good. If they don't, now I don't know how to handle that. And when we follow this man named Jesus, something that we need to be prepared for is the notion of being flexible. And we see that in the story. Like in verse 1, it says, one day, Peter and John, they're going to the temple to pray. They're following this custom that was ingrained in them growing up in a Jewish culture, right? Like they're Jewish, and so in the Jewish culture, you would go to the temple certain times of the day to pray. So they're following this custom. They're following what they're familiar with. Jonathan talked about that last week. Like when we don't know what to do, we often revert back to what's comfortable. So they are, they're going to the temple to pray. We don't know all the now what's yet. You know, we've had the Pentecost event. The church is growing. But we do know that we can go and we can pray at the temple. We can go and we can pray to God. We can seek the guidance of God. So, so that's what they're doing. And then they're on their way to that. And there's this man that's sitting by the temple gate begging for money. And what would have been real easy for Peter and for John is to just go to the temple and pray. That's, that's what they knew to do. That was their routine. That's what they were comfortable with. But I'm wondering if, if, if Peter looked at that man and remembered these words that Jesus taught, right, in Luke, you know, the very, like, familiar story of the Good Samaritan, where the man gets, you know, he's on his way to, to Jericho, and he, he gets beaten up by these robbers on the side, and and a priest walks by and sees the man beaten, and he, and he goes to the other side of the road to get around him. And then the Levite sees him there and goes around, you know, you know doesn't encounter him so they can get to the temple. And, of course, with those two guys, they get vilified for not caring. But the truth is, they had been cleansed, like they'd been ritually cleaned so that they could go do their work in the temple. If they encountered a man that was beaten and bloody, they would be considered unclean, so they couldn't go do their work at the temple. So, so they weren't skipping the man necessarily because they didn't care, but they were skipping around this man because they were not flexible in what they thought they needed to do. And I'm wondering if Peter had those words like rattling around in his head when he sees this man begging and thinks, maybe what's more important right now is not for me to go with what I think I need to do or follow my routine of I'm going to the temple to pray, but God's put something in my life that I can make a difference about and being willing to stop and help. You know, maybe that's how I can be the neighbor that I'm called to. Like, I can love my neighbor as myself. Maybe that's, maybe that's how I can be like Jesus was, if I'm willing to be flexible. And I wonder in my life, how many times maybe I've had that opportunity to where I could do something for God's goodness. But I was so focused on what I thought I needed to do that I wasn't flexible enough to stop and to pivot to allow the work of God to happen. And I wonder if we all were to think of that, if, if maybe there was those moments where, where God was putting something in our life. And either because we, had, we didn't think we had time or we thought we were trying to do what was necessary, that we missed that opportunity to be flexible and to make a difference. You know, we miss that, maybe that burning bush that was there of God talking to us because it meant we had to venture off of the path we thought 
was most important. We couldn't, we couldn't be flexible to see that there was something else there. So if we want to live into the now what, to where every day we're open to that difference that God wants to make for us, it, it requires flexibility. You know, because if I was going to be honest with you guys, I, I made this shift into counseling in, 20, in 2016. I started feeling that call in 2011. I started feeling that call that maybe, maybe God had something different for me. But that was uncomfortable because it wasn't what I expected. You know, when I got ordained, like, that's what I was going to do until I retired. I was going to lead churches until I retired. That's, that was going to be my life. And the flexibility made me take longer to see maybe some of those now what's that God had for me. So if we want to live into the now what of following this man named Jesus, of making a difference for his kingdom, we, we've got to have some flexibility within that. The next characteristic that I think we need to have is not only do we need to be flexible, but we need to have this ability and this willingness to connect like fully with these opportunities that God puts in our life. You know, in verses, uh, verses four and five, Peter, you know, Peter and John, they, they see this man. Um, and then in verse four, it says, Peter looked straight at him as, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Peter being flexible, right, on this way, whether it's the words of the Good Samaritan that's rattling around in his brain, whether it's a combination of that and, and, and Jesus, you know, commissioned to baptize and to be a witness and, and all these things, you know, Peter just reflecting on all the stuff that he saw Jesus do. Peter being flexible was willing to connect with this guy when he, when he looked at him and he said, hey, look, look at us. Like, there's a huge power and there's a huge, like, kind of intimacy when we look at people. And my father-in-law, from the first time I started dating my wife, you know, 22 years ago, would tell me, when I look in someone's eyes, I can see into their soul. You know, have you ever heard that phrase, like the eyes are the windows to the soul? And there's something when we look in someone's eyes, when we really do that, we're, we're, we're making this, this level of connection. And, and sometimes that can be uncomfortable. You know, sometimes it can be uncomfortable, but that's like we try to teach our children. Hey, when someone's speaking to you, look them in the eye. You know, my, my son sometimes struggle with that. And so one, one day, about a month ago, my, uh, my older son was trying to talk to me. And so I, I didn't look at him while I was talking to him. Like I kept looking off in different directions and it was driving him nuts. And so then I was like, hey, see, this is why I tell you to look at people when they're talking to you. You know, but there's something about making that connection. And I can tell you, like, the importance of looking someone in the eye over the last year when we're covering up half our face, right? We can read cues better when we look in eyes. Now, I, like, a year ago, going to the store and someone would have their kids and their kids are, like, being, you know, silly or disruptive and the parents getting really frustrated. I always like to look at those parents and, like, smile, like, hey, I get it. It's okay. Those of us with kids, we've been there. It's fine. You know, you're doing your best. We love you. We support you and all that. That's harder to do with this mask, right? The only real way now that we can kind of express those things, since we can't see faces smiling, is if we have eye contact. Like, there's a really intimate and important and, like, assuring thing when we connect. And so Peter wanting to make a difference in this man's life, Peter wanting to do something, Peter being willing to, to take that step, Peter wanting to, what is his now what? How do I live into this opportunity that God has? It's not just about being flexible, but he tells the man to look at him, so that they could look at each other, so that they could connect with each other. Now, what would have been the easiest thing for Peter to do? 
Guy's begging for money. Peter could have thrown a coin at him. That would have been the easiest thing to do. He didn't have to look at him. He didn't have to address him. He didn't have to connect with him. Or, you know, Peter didn't have a coin. Maybe he could have told him to go, you know, bring a fish and there to be a coin in there because Peter saw Jesus do that. But there was ways that he could have not looked at this man, not connected with this man. That's probably what everyone else did. You know, as the man sitting there begging, I would imagine most people that gave him money just walked by and they, they laid money and they didn't really look at him. Nor did they expect the man to look up at them. Because I would imagine this man who is lame and is dependent upon, upon people giving him money probably internally had a sense of shame about that. And if you've ever gone through a time in your life where you felt shamed about who you were, about what was going on, about needing help from someone, what do we frequently do when we feel shame? Do we look up at people or do we look down? And in Peter's willingness to connect with this man, he was also saying, I don't want you to look down. I want you to look up at me. The fact that you need help doesn't make you less than. I want you to look at me because you are a child of God. And hey, I was the one that denied him three times. I was the rock that denied him three times, and he still looked at me and asked me if I loved him and called me to feed his sheep. And so just because there's something in your life that is not what other people say is necessary, like I still love you and care about you, you still have value, so look at me. That's what those words would have meant. And in our lives, when we have these opportunities, not not just to help people, but just to serve God. Are we willing to connect with whether it's individuals in our community, whether it's people in our family, whether it's folks that we can serve? Like, are we willing to connect with others so that we can feel affirmed in the notion that we follow the same God who offers the same grace, the same hope, and the same promise? If I want to live into my now what, not only do I have to be flexible in what I think versus what God calls me to do, but am I willing to connect with people. Jesus connected with people. And he calls us to do that so that we can hear needs, that we can see opportunities, and we can respond in the way that God calls us to do that. So that now what? With flexibility and with a willingness to connect. Then it opens up the door for us to display this thing called faith to display this thing called faith. Whenever we serve God in a way that's out of the ordinary, we are showing that we have faith. Whenever I step out into something that I didn't think I could do or I didn't know how it was going to go about, I am showing that I have faith. If I only do the things that I know I can handle, I'm not really showing that I have faith. So had Peter reached into his pocket, pulled out a coin and given it to the guy, he's not really living into the faith of what he could do. What is it that Peter does, right? Like in verse 6, it says, Then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have. Now maybe he couldn't have given a coin because he didn't, but silver or gold I do not have. But what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Nazareth, walk. Have you ever done that? Just quick, well, you don't have to raise your hands, but just kind of a quick showing in your heart. Have you ever, have you ever looked at someone that couldn't walk? Instead, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, get up and walk. I will be honest, I have not. And then he reaches his hand down, right? And he pulls the man up. There's a lot of faith in that. Now, I've played sports, and I've been playing sports where people got hurt, 
And I've been hesitant to help them up because, like, if they're messed up, like, that could be worse. You know, if somebody really, like, tore a knee or broke something, you know, and you try to pull them up, that can be bad. My older son has, has got, like, a little bit of a foot injury going on right now. And the other day, he was, I was trying to help him get up, and so I started to pick him up, and it really hurt him. Like, you got to be careful with that sometimes. Peter sees this man, can't walk, is flexible in his time, willing to connect with him. Look at me. I know you have a need, and you're important. You matter to God, so you matter to me, so I'm connecting with you. And then with faith, not only am I going to say in the name of Jesus of, Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, walk, but I'm going to pick you up because I also believe that you're healed. He didn't just say like, hey man, my thoughts and prayers are with you. I'm going to go to the temple because it's prayer time, so I'm, I'm going to pray for you. You know. But he had the faith to believe that not only am I calling out your healing, but I'm going to pick you up. And we're going to see that God heals you. Not that God could heal you, not that God might heal you, but that, that God is healing you. And faith is one of those things that we want to have and we try to have. But we still in the back of our mind because we're people. And by being people, we're, we're flawed and we're broken. Sometimes we struggle to really believe that those promises and that victory and the goodness of God is going to happen. Right? My dad used to tell me, faith is showing up for the prayer meeting when you want rain and bringing an umbrella with you. I mean, if we're going to pray for rain... As my dad grew up in a kind of a farming community, right? Like, if we're, we're going to pray for rain, then I should bring an umbrella to the meeting. Because it's going to rain when I walk out. And I told that story. The first church that I was the pastor at was in uh, Rutledge, Georgia, if any of you are familiar with, like, Rutledge or Morgan County. Very, very, like, agricultural area. And uh, many, many people in my church were farmers. And every other week, we would have this uh, prayer meet. We would, uh, like, have a prayer time on Sunday night. And uh, one of my farmers would always come, and he would, uh, he would always pray for rain, for his, for his cotton, right? He would come and pray for that. And I told this story about I'd been there like two months, and I told that about my dad saying, hey, if you're going to pray for rain, bring an umbrella. So after that, he started bringing his umbrella. He was like, you're right. If I'm going to pray for rain, I need to expect that it would happen. And here's the cool thing. It's, and it's not, it's not me. It's the power of God, right? The three years that I was there, were, we had been in a drought. The three years that I was there, and he started bringing his umbrella— it rained so much, he had his biggest crops three successive years, and he never had any sort of drought. In fact, one week, he came to the prayer meeting without his umbrella, and he said, I kind of need it not to rain. <laughs> right? We got we to have, have faith to believe that if I'm actually doing something that, that God is calling me to do, that, that it will work. Not that I'm going to tell someone about Jesus and believe that they're not going to care, but like if I tell you about Jesus, like I'm going to have faith that it can make a difference in your life. If I'm going to pray for someone that they are healed, like I'm going to believe that not that God could heal them, but that God heals them. Maybe I need to change a, a career path in my life. And that if, that if I'm trusting that God is leading me to a new career, that God will provide that. And so I step into faith because I'm flexible, and I, and I care about people because I want to connect. I've got faith that something's going to happen. And if I'm Peter, and I see this man who was lame from birth, like this wasn't a carpenter that dropped something on his foot, and he was laid up for a month. 
This man was lame from birth. He never had the ability to walk. Peter looks at him and he thinks in his mind, I saw that man named Jesus pull someone out of a tomb. And if he can do that, and of course I saw him heal the blind, and I saw him help people walk, and, you know, I feed people, and walk on water, and oh yeah, I did that too. And, you know, if I'm Peter and I've got these things in my mind, why would I not believe that in the name of Jesus this man can walk? So Peter's now what isn't, I'm going to do what I can do. I'm going to do what God can do. And if I'm going to follow this man named Jesus, and part of following a rabbi in this culture was, I'm going to learn from this rabbi so much so that when it's me, people will think they're seeing and hearing and encountering the rabbi that I followed, that I learned from. So if I'm Peter, and, and Jesus was my rabbi, Jesus was my teacher, Jesus is my savior, and I want people to, to see him in what I do, then I am going to believe that I can do the things that he did. So I'm going to look at this man, and I'm going to say, get up and walk, and I'm going to pull him up because he'll be able to walk. He didn't pray that the man would regain the ability to walk and move on. He pulled him up because he knew that God would heal him. And then they go to the temple courts, and the man's walking, and then he's dancing, and he's praising God. And the people that are there saw this, and many, many more came to faith. Many, many more came to know this man named Jesus as their Savior, as their Lord, as their Messiah. Many people came into now their eternity that had been stolen from them because of sin had now been reclaimed for them through the blood of Christ. Because as Peter looked at his now what? He had the faith that if I trust in God and whatever he's calling me to do, in whatever opportunities he gives me, the power of Christ can be revealed. Not in the name of Peter, get up and walk. Not in my spirit, get up and walk, but in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, walk. It's my question for us today, because whatever our now what's are, they're different. I told you, we all are created to make a unique difference. The things that you can do and the things that I can do are, are, are different. The opportunities that we have are, are different. The, the, the circles that we can influence are different. The impacts that we can make are different. But in our now what, the question is, will I be flexible from what I think I should do to what God made me to do? Am I willing to connect with the people that God puts in my life? Am I willing to connect with the opportunities that God puts in my life to use those gifts, to use that influence, to use the opportunities, and with faith believe that things that I can't do will be done in the name of Christ? What is my now what? Will I engage with that? I'm going to invite the, uh, the worship team to come up, and they're going to um, lead us in a, in a closing song. This, this morning, as they were running through, it was the first time I've heard it. It's a really good song. And I love the, kind of the notion behind the song of just this connection with God. And so as they're coming up, I just want to lead us in a prayer. And then through that, through that song and, and time that we have, my hope is that we are opening ourselves up to that now what that God has for us. So would you pray with me? 
Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for, for who you are. We thank you for what we have proclaimed this morning, right? That you are a good father. We thank you for the goodness of who you are. We thank you for a grace that extends beyond our understanding, that extends beyond our own ability. God, you forgive us and reclaim for us something that we have lost and that we can never get back on our own because you care about us so much. And God, we thank you that we are all made in your image. We thank you that we are made in the image of a loving and powerful and healing Messiah that, that offers us a purpose for our life. And God, I pray that today, whether we're in this place, whether online watching, maybe it's later in the week, God, I pray that in these moments we would just stop and open ourselves up to what your now what is for us. That as we get into our lives this week, with work or with school, that we would be open to the opportunities and to the encounters where we can make your difference. God, as you call us and lead us into this path, that if it requires that we, we change something or, or we start something, that, God, we'd be open to your now what? That, God, you would give us the ability to be flexible in your calling, that you would give us this desire to connect with your children. You would give us the faith to know. Because of your grace because of your sacrifice, and because of your spirit that you pour out upon us. We can do things that you did. We can do things that matter. So God, I pray that we would just walk out, we would, we would head into our lives with the fullness of whatever that now what is, so that your kingdom would come in a world that needs it, in a world that desires it. And we can make that difference that you created us to make. We love you for who you are, and we thank you for the life that you give us, and we pray this in your name. Amen. Got a simple story to tell you this morning. Just being with Jesus this morning.